you could skip ahead if you wanted to, but that would just be foolish because you'd miss out on so much Stephen Neal time. Look, we are objectively hilarious. All right, everybody, welcome in the official first episode of the Important Nonsense Podcast. Special shout-out on the new intro to Lee Rosevere. Awesome song. We appreciate it. Thank you, Lee. Thank you very much. I, of course, am your host, Steve Bonham. Uh, here, I am fighting through uh, some injuries here. Got a little bit of a head cold going on, but that's okay. I'm like, you know, I'm like the, uh, I'm like the Andrew Luck of uh of fantasy football podcasters like i could be really great but i'm always injured and my supporting cast isn't that great speaking of which mm-hmm. neil smith joining me as always neil how, how you doing well you know soon to be replaced by a robot neil exactly. smith if robot our neil. offline conversations yeah you're right uh, <laughs> there it is there it is. get it in get it in early yep yeah he's secretly and often Welcome in, and welcome, in every, welcome in everyone. He's secretly recording everything I say so that he can replace me with just drops, and then he doesn't need me anymore for this show. But it's great course, to be here. Uh, <laughs> me and Neil are the uh, the co-owners and operators of ImportantNonsense.com. We, uh, yeah, we're very excited about the website launching earlier this week, so we hope you all enjoy it as well. Also, if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at nonsense underscore Steve. Neil is at nonsense underscore Neil, which doesn't have a lot of activity right now. You should really get on that. Yeah. yeah get, People get, will learn. Get social, I'm I'm okay? uh, I'm I'm a slow adopter of social media. I'm good. I'm good at technology, fine, but that was not a sense. And uh, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, not I'm I'm learning curve is a little high for me on the social media, but I'm getting the hang of it. Starting to starting to figure out what I'm doing. So for those of you unfamiliar with the two of us, uh, I'm a data analyst for Pro Football Focus, so basically that means I just watch a lot of game film and find out what everybody was doing in every game, and then record that so that the people at Pro Football Focus can say, hey, this guy's good and this guy isn't. So when you're looking at those grades that 30 of the 32 NFL teams use as their official grading system, you know that uh, I'm part of the reason for that, so you're welcome, America. Yep. Yeah. Also, uh, yeah, I've been playing fantasy football since uh, 2005. I've won six titles in that time. I've played in many different leagues. I've uh, made it to the playoffs about 70% of the time, I'd say, give or take. Uh, and, yeah, stats, numbers, they've just always been sort of my thing. And uh, I've done different variations of you know podcasts and shows about fantasy football in the past, and I'm uh, extremely excited to be partnering up with Neil on this one. So this is uh, this is going to be an adventure for the uh, the two of us, I believe, here, Neil. It's going to be great. For those of you who can't tell, you'll learn very quickly. Steve and I have known each other since, I don't know, it's been over 20 too years. Too long. Yeah, believe It's long. been over 20 years at this point, and I've lost track beyond that. So you'll you'll note that we bicker like an old married couple. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so. <laughs> you just take out the garbage. Hey, you know, I will if you would wash the dishes, okay? Like, I, I don't feel like... By the like way, I get... live in the Dallas area and Neil's in Denver, so this is all just for your own entertainment. Yeah, pretty there, much. <laughs> there is no actual, like, face-to-face interaction, which is what keeps our relationship so strong. Yeah, absolutely. Who says long-distance relationships don't work? <laughs> yeah, right? Quitters. I'll probably come down, though, uh, next year for the fantasy convention if that's down in Dallas, though. So Exactly. Uh, things like that. At some point in the next 18 years, when Steve's kids have moved out of the house, at some point he'll be able to visit me here in Denver. 
Exactly. Yep. That's probably when that'll happen. But uh, and my wife will have left me by uh, sometime in there. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're taking we're taking bets. On, you're, gonna, you're putting that that bet out there. Hey, look, I had like five years in the divorce pool, and I've already surpassed that. So. <laughs> I'm playing with house <laughs> you, money at li- this point. If you're listening to this, you've probably met Steve's wife. Steve, Steve clearly outkicked his coverage here, so mm-hmm. <laughs> riding the—he's just riding the gravy train for as long as it lasts. Exactly. There's one good thing: we know that your wife will never, ever, ever listen to this show. No. We could get picked up by CBS and be flown out to live in another part of the world and have to make this show. Still wouldn't listen to it. Nope. <laughs> All right. Well, a little bit of background on me then. I'm Neil. Very nice to meet you. <laughs> and uh, so I actually have a, a, uh, an MBA from Kent State University. I work in corporate sales, and I actually have a background in statistics. That's what I did in college. So spreadsheets, all that good stuff, that's that's kind of my whole backbone of my skill set. That's what I've always done, and have also always watched football ever since I can remember being dragged to the state of Tennessee to go watch Tennessee football games with my dad and my mm-hmm. the rest of my family. So at some point, I also learned that I like to gamble, and then I kind of found <laughs> fantasy foot. And then I kind of found fantasy football. And then you found the extension of, of the that. Two. I never watched pro football until like 2005 when I started playing fantasy football. And from there, I just kind of realized this marries all the things I love. I love football, so I already know all the rules. It's a couple simple rule changes, and that changes that. Beyond that, it's just I always like to calculate the stats. And then the other side of it, too, is in fantasy football, as well, as you'll read in some of the articles that I'm putting together for the site, negotiation is a skill. So I can't tell you how many fantasy leagues are determined because somebody was able to get some sort of deal done. And that's another part of the game that I love because it kind of marries all my skills. So now I'm at about 70% of where I've made the playoffs. I've won six, seven titles across all the different leagues I've played. Since 2009, I'm at 83%, because that's when I actually started really taking the game seriously and actually using statistics, and I actually dusted off the old XPSS that I learned how to use way back when at the University of Dayton. So my goal here is to just try and provide helpful fantasy advice based on stats and then also, too, on how you can build a roster and negotiate through the season based on value to where you can get you get back more than what you put in, effectively. And uh, just a, a note here, uh, Under the Microscope is the name of my weekly article. Neil writes, In a Vacuum. Those are all you know well thought out from a previous entity we worked on before. Uh, inside jokes, if you will, that have just carried over into this for us. Also, whenever you, uh, you're hearing us talk about, you know, where somebody is ranked, how someone is laid out, we play 12 team PPR because we are not crazy. That's the way to do it. If you do it any other way, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you're wrong. Yes. And Steve and I will also lay it out on Front Street. We are both PPR truthers. Praise be PPR. Yes. Praise be to PPR. Praise be. Uh, we also recommend ESPN, though, as a platform to play on. Which is odd, because ESPN is the arch rival of adopting PPR. <laughs> but they do a lot of customization, and it's free, and it's such an easy website to use, and you can actually use and their now stats they've actually if you come want around, to. Finally. We never got an apology. We're never going to get an apology. No. But I want to throw a shout-out to everybody at uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, and I'm not affiliated with either of those websites, nor do I draw any money from them. But thank you to both of you, <laughs> because you are the reason ESPN had to quietly announce that they are switching all the new leagues that you start on ESPN moving forward to PPR scoring. So well done. Well well done. Yeah. Thank you. It's, 
it's all thanks to DFS. Because if it wasn't for that, they probably would have stayed in the standard format forever. Yeah, there's been a lot of arguments as to why that that's been changed, and uh, that's the only one that makes any sense to me. <laughs> a breakdown, sort of, of how we're going to run things here. Uh, me and Neil are going to talk about the NFL in general, news, you know, takes, injuries, our, our comments and thoughts, basically, about the National Football League and fantasy football in general. And then at the back half of the podcast, we'll be talking about the Golden League. It's the Fantasy Football League that the two of us have played in forever. If you would like a history of the Golden League, it's available on the website now at importantnonsense.com slash GL. You can find everything you're looking for there uh, about the teams currently in the league, the standings of the league, and then uh, a history of what the league is and you know how we've come along along the way. So if you're interested in following along with that, you can follow along all season on the website, whether you're in the league or not. And for those of you in the league, you're basically forced to listen to this. So, I mean, you could skip ahead if you wanted to, but that would just be foolish because you'd, you'd miss out on so much Steve and Neil time. Look, we are objectively hilarious. You like that? You like that? I do. I do like that. Thank you, Kurt. So what we're going to talk about today uh, is actually rookies. We're going to talk about off-season transactions since this is going to be our first show of the season. That's the main thing to go through, right, is... You know, off-season training taxes, right? At this point, yep. Be? That's that's evaluating so the, all the uh, all the new names in the pool, though, is a great place to start, especially if you've already got a background in this. And to be perfectly honest, if you've made it this far down the fantasy football podcast rabbit hole and you're listening to this, you clearly love fantasy football. Dedication. We want to be your friend. <laughs> and, uh, but and so you probably have a background knowledge of all the other players. Is my greater point as well. So we're gonna start with rookies, and we'll get to the veterans. So we're gonna start with quarterback. For, uh, for our hometown team. Like I said, I'm in the Dallas area, Neil's in Denver, but we are both from the Chicago area, both Bears fans by nature, and we've you know spread out to other teams that actually have a chance at ever winning anything. Fair. The, uh, the results of this offseason for the Bears just... <sighs> just bow your heads. As I was saying, I think we should all let's just take a moment of silence for the, the death, effectively, of what's left of the respectability of the Chicago Bears. With, with this offseason, with the, of course, trade-up to go get Mitch Trubisky after you gave Mike Glennon all that money and then had him come down to sign autographs at the face of the franchise and then didn't Spend tell him. Spend all of your free agent money on a quarterback and then you decided to move up one spot to draft a quarterback. You outbid yourself, basically. You got played by the Niners. <laughs> you, got played by, you got played by Jed York. <laughs> the harbinger of doom of the That's NFL, Jed York. That is a skill. Uh, it takes a special kind of person. We just can't. We can't go down the whole Bears rant. So just moment of silence. All right, that's long enough. Let's talk about players that matter. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. All right, so uh, you know, players of note. We mentioned Trubisky going to the Bears at two. Eventually, he'll take over that job when the Bears are like zero and ten to start of the season. Yeah, and then I, you think it's that long? Reins. Yeah. Oh, wow. The bye for that. His, I figured. The, well, the bye week is after week eight, but do you really want his first career game against the Packers? Do I think the Bears are desperate enough to try anything against the Packers? Yeah, probably. That's the better question. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Uh, the Texans move up to take Deshaun Watson, and uh, as you mentioned, he looked good tonight. I mean, we record this on Wednesday nights, so we got to see the uh, Deshaun Watson experience. On the first preseason game of the year, because you know the the Hall of Fame game doesn't really count. Yeah, but yeah I mean, exactly. He, he looked pretty decent tonight. He looked pretty poised, and uh, everything coming out of Texans camp is that uh, he, he's looked really well, and that 
him and Tom Savage have made each other better quarterbacks. I didn't see that from Tom Savage, but I sure saw no. it from Deshaun Watson. No, I saw Tom Savage get his bell rung a bunch of times by Luke Keekley, and then they pulled Luke Keekley out of the game, and he still didn't look good. And then I saw Deshaun Watson come in and look 100 times more athletic with about equal arm talent. So Deshaun Watson right now does have an ADP. Uh, these are all, by the way, we're going to talk about ADPs throughout the course of this, and just for everyone's knowledge, and I'll remind everybody as we go, but these are the ESPN mock draft ADPs that are generated by people actually using the website. Whenever you hear a number, that's where that number comes from, and we'll talk about our individual problems with some of these numbers as we go, because as we're using the fan data, sometimes it gets messed up. Sometimes it's kind of skewed, and things happen. So he's got an ADP of 131, though, so he is being drafted, despite not being a starter. So obviously some of that's going to be right, keeper leads uh, and dynasty leads. QB so. 17. Yes. I mean, that's putting him in two QB leagues. That's putting him as your backup quarterback. That's that's kind of dicey for a guy who at this point doesn't even look like he's the week one starter. Yeah, it's an 11th round pick, effectively, in a 12-team league. Again, and I think at, at that point that's kind of more name than it is actual, like, what we've seen in talent. You know what I mean? Like, there, there's no doubt he's a good player. It's coming it just, from a Texans fan. It's yeah, coming from a guy who actively supports the Texans as an organization. It's right. And look, I think he's going to be good, and I think eventually he'll take over as the starter, but I'm thinking it's not going to be for the first, like, two or three weeks. I don't know how much I really want to invest on, you know, in Deshaun Watson sitting on my bench. You know what I mean? It's a whole strategy thing, too, of whether or not you even want to carry two QBs, and that depends on your league. In a two-QB league, obviously. In a, you know, in a keeper league... Uh, where you can draft him in a 16 and keep him well, every that's the other thing, too. Like, so we're talking about 17. So that would be a 2QB league. That's the top 24 picks. And right now, he's being drafted as a second quarterback. And it doesn't even look yeah, like he's, he's not playing even... in the first two or three weeks. Now, we'll see how that changes, because he looked real good, and they left him out there till the fourth quarter. I mean, he got to play against the twos and the threes. The thing that I liked the most was he looked like the exact same guy I watched at Clemson. Which is good. The thing that always, you know, makes you nervous is when the game looks like it's going too fast for these guys when they're rookies and they're first getting out there, like Johnny Manziel syndrome. Right. Is a good way to put that. Jared Goff. The get, the yeah, Jared Goff. Like, yeah. yeah, they're just freeze. And I didn't see any of that from Deshaun Watson. He got in there. He knew what the play was. He called it. If his read wasn't there, he either took off or he threw it away. And that's the critical part. He threw some balls away. He didn't look like RG3. Look good. Is being drafted. But yeah, I don't know. I I can't really support that. I I, I get it. And if it, was, if it was a league where it was like a strict dynasty league where you're only drafting rookies, oh, yeah, absolutely, give me a piece of that. But outside of that. Now, the other one that's interesting is Deshaun Kaiser from Cleveland simply because he's there competing with Kessler and Osweiler with a chance to play at some point this year. And the fact that, you know, Brown's quarterbacks are constantly hurt makes you believe at some point he will get on the field this season there's just no way to know when, and you don't know about you know the talent around him. I don't even know about his talent. I didn't see a whole lot from him at Notre Dame, to be perfectly honest. I thought he came out early, and his own coach even threw him under the bus when he did it. Yeah. So Kaiser's got a lot to prove to me. The last one is uh, Patrick Mahomes, who I think is probably a great pick for next year, because he's probably yes. taking over for Alex Smith in Kansas City, if he doesn't at the end of this year, if Kansas City falls out of it, so... I think Mahomes has a chance, like I said, and like you were saying before, in a dynasty league or a, a super deep league where you have a you know a value type keeper, maybe. But yeah, at this point, Mahomes not not a guy you're really looking at going into drafts this uh, this season. Name for the future, though, to be sure. Correct. 
All right, so next we're going to look at running backs, and for running backs, we're going to go under the microscope. Under the microscope. A microscope is an optical instrument used to magnify objects. Under the microscope. Simple as they are, the microscope is no toy. Under the microscope, into the friendship running zone. Under the microscope, brought to you by Miller Lite. Shout out to the Lame Genie Band for providing us with the uh, the free cover of the Tecmo Bowl theme. That's fantastic. That is uh, that is just amazing. <laughs> Great. So much more metal than that used to be. I know. It's a, such a great addition to the show this year. I am so jacked for that. That is awesome. Uh, so once again, oh, Lame Genie Band, you guys rock. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Uh, so running backs, we had a few taken uh, in the top. The one that's getting the most uh, talk is Leonard Fournette. And the comparison, of course, is with Zeke Elliott, who was also drafted number four overall last season with the Cowboys and, of course, the huge year he had. And then Fournette goes number four to the Jags, who have struggled to, you know, secure a running game. Is this the year they finally get it right? Is Fournette the Jags running back you actually want for a change? That's an interesting thing, because he's going 24, for the record. So if you want Fournette, bring your wallet because I, I promise you there's going to be somebody that wants him and is going to want to take a chance on him high because to your point there hasn't been anybody you want to own because his competition is chris ivory tj yeldon and i think they still have shoelace denard robinson i think i don't even know if they have shoelace anymore but they have they have at least those two other guys yeldon and ivory i thought at one point robinson was just working out for the bears so i don't think he's on the roster it doesn't matter no. Because at that point he'd but be the fourth running back saying. anyway. Yeah, uh-huh. So they haven't had anybody, but at the same time he draws comparisons to Ezekiel Elliott because he's the same profile player as Ezekiel Elliott. He was awesome at LSU when he was right. He wasn't so awesome if you go back through the numbers when he was hurt. And it doesn't seem to me to be a guy who can play through injury, and that's definitely something you got to do in the NFL. However, I don't know the specifics of the entire injury. He might have been playing with half his knee broken, so you never know. Fournette though has all the makings of the superstar that you would want, and you would want to draft high, and you would want to lock up. But what gives me pause is that Ezekiel Elliott has benefited greatly from having the best offensive line in football, or at least top two. And I don't necessarily see the Jags having that kind of O-line. It's not to say their O-line is bad, and they've spent quite a bit of money trying to fix these problems, but this is one of those things where I might want to see that proven to me. If I'm going to spend a pick at 24, which is the back half Right. Oh, at this point, you're looking round. at a late second round, early third round pick. He's the only running you're, back coming off the that's board. That's an average. I don't think you're ever going to even get him at 24. Right. I think you're either going to get him at like 18, or he's going to be there for you at 30. Because either you're dra- someone in the draft, I think, is going to really believe in, in Fournette, especially because there's always one guy in every league that's drafting yeah. that loves to get the shiny new toy. And we'll pay to do it. Yeah, Fournette's an interesting guy that, again, I, it's, I'm gonna use the same, uh, you know, kind of outlook that I used for Zeke Elliott last year. Like, he's a good name. I think he's gonna be a good player. He's in a good situation. He's gonna get a lot of touches. He should be a good player. I've never seen it. He's a rookie. I don't know what he, he could be great. He could be a bust. You don't know. And because I don't know and the price tag is so high, I know I'm never gonna own him. And that's I find it. it unlikely. If he was sitting there at, for me at like in the third round, I'd be thinking a lot harder about it. 
especially if I was able to get a good RB1 right. earlier and I could get a stud wide receiver one in the sec or somebody good at least in the second round and he was still there in the third I'd be all I'd be I'd be very interested because the the, the ceiling is so incredibly high for him Absolutely. but there's the, the you can't even establish a floor and then you add into these other factors like Blake Bortles is going to be the guy that's throwing him the football yep. is he even going to catch passes is he going to be the third down running back I don't know is Blake Bortles going to look like a turd sandwich again this is season Blake Bortles still going to be the quarterback like, yeah, by the time any of this matters, there's so many things with Jacksonville. On paper, it looks like they're going in the right direction, especially defensively. Their defense should be significantly better. Yeah. And if Blake Portals can stop throwing three turnovers a game, that would really help. They're going to try and run the ball, so you know he's going to get the touches. It's just a question of, I'm not prepared to effectively bank my season, because one of the things we talk about a lot is you can't really win your league in the first pick or the first even two picks, but you can lose it. But You, you can, can lose definitely it. lose it there. And Fournette's definitely got that potential, so that's why I knock him down slightly for other people in that area that I have seen do it before. But I promise you somebody's going to take him in that 20, that 20 area. It's going to happen. Fellow top 10 draft pick Christian McCaffrey played tonight and looked pretty good. It was kind of what we expected, little like bubble screens, shuttle, shuffle passes, like little stuff to him, uh, you know, bootlegs running outside the pocket. So, I mean, he looked, it to him, let him run it up yeah, the middle. It didn't exactly. work, but I, but that was the Texans' defense. Yeah. Frankly, that was still when the ones were in the game. So we got a little taste of what uh, what he might provide, and uh, you know, I think he, he has a decent outlook on that roster. Look, we've seen in the past they've been able to support both D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. They had two running backs yes. that you could you know roster and play either one of them. And that was with Cam Newton vulturing touchdowns yeah. and Mike Tolbert vulturing exactly. touchdowns. Think about that. And with, uh, you know, Stewart still there, I, I think McCaffrey, it's not going to affect his touch as much. And I, I honestly think Stewart's still going to be a viable commodity out of that backfield as well. So I think it's kind of good for everyone except Cam Newton. I did see quite a bit from McCaffrey. Looked like the guy he did in college. And, you know, but we've got a history of some of these guys from Stanford coming into the league and they look good in a really small sample size and they flame out completely. But I don't think he's the next Toby Gerhardt. McCaffrey at 32, though, by the way. If you're interested in trying to get McCaffrey, you're looking at overall a little bit lower. Yeah, yeah 32 overall. Yeah, you're, so you're looking at teen running back currently. And you're looking, so you're looking at a little bit more value than Fournette. So I, I, I mean, Christian McCaffrey to me would be a real high end RB two potentially this year in PPR. Correct. Less excited in standards slightly, but what I did notice today was he was on the field early. He was out there with the ones. I mean, they got him into the game immediately. So it looks like he's going to be a huge part of their game plan. Plus, they've stated they want to try and run this offense where they get the ball out of Cam's hand faster. And that, to me, would translate into more checkdowns and probably more dump-offs to McCaffrey, and then eventually they'll get Curtis Samuel back. That might be their other dump-off weapon they've added. But what do you think about McCaffrey that high at 32? Are you prepared to pony up for that, theoretically? I'm going to tell you the same thing I said before. He's a rookie. I don't know what he's going to be able to do in the NFL. I don't know if defenses will be able to adjust. And for me to draft him as what is RB2 range is one of my top three picks. That's a little too rich for my blood. But I mean, if you, yeah. I mean, if you buy into it, it's not as rich as what you would have had to pay for Elliott last year or Fournette this year. But it's still for me at that point, just with my own personal philosophy, I tend to try to not take running backs in the first couple of rounds. I don't go full zero RB, but I, I'm a believer that more often than not, those top ten running backs tend to get hurt. 
you tend to see more busts out of the running back position than any other position. It's more. Of There's also the rule shoot. of 370. There's yeah. the rule of 370 that also plays into running back more than any other position, whereas the law of diminishing returns, if you had 370 touches in last year's NFL season, the odds that you will be as effective the next season fall off a cliff. And there's a whole list of guys that that applies to that I could go through that's just too long, frankly, for even this show. Correct. So that's just something to also file away with those high-priced running backs. Right. So for me, at that point, my first couple of picks, I'm probably not going to have a running back already. And to make him my RB1 is just too much risk in my mind. Fair. I will say 32 is where I'm going to think about it, but I have to, I, I'll be honest with you. There are other players that are more established players that I think for a, for my own safety as well, for my own security, I would probably pass on McCaffrey at that price tag in option of something that's probably a little bit more proven. To be fair, right behind him are Crowell, Mark Ingram, Carlos yeah. Hyde, Belial Powell. A couple of those guys I would think about in favor of that potentially. So at that Crowell point, would, would be one of the most interesting floor ones. compared to high ceiling. And that's kind of what I think you'd be looking for out of your RB2, though. Yeah. Because if you accept the idea that in a PPR league you need to get 30 points out of your two running back slots every week, Correct. just on average, yeah. if you got a good running back early and you're not doing the zero RB strategy, at that point you only need to make up like 12 to 13 points a week. But I need those points every week. I can't take a two one week out of you so at that point yeah give me somebody like crowell that also goes back to the, the theory and the roster construction because i'm not necessarily a guy who's like no you you know it's old school still you got to get a running back early i don't subscribe to that especially with ppr dominating everything now but i will say i'm a little bit more prone than you to if there's the right running back available early i will do that Right. But it has to be one of the right ones. That's the slight difference between the two of us mccaffrey though that's definitely going to be another one where also i got to tell you it says 32 is an average. I've been doing mocks, and I don't think you're going to get him at 32. I think it's the same thing as Fournette. Along the lines of the Bears spending their offseason money on QB and then drafting a QB, the big <laughs> offseason acquisition for the Vikings was Latavius Murray to try to bolster yep. that backfield, replace Adrian Peterson, and then they used their top pick on Delvin Cook, and Cook has just shot up draft boards. Everybody wants them a piece of Delvin Cook, which doesn't make any sense at all to me. I'm going to go back to the same broken record argument I've said over and over again. Haven't seen it in the NFL. I'm completely unsure. Now, when I keep saying this, it's not that I don't believe in rookies, and it's not that I'll never take a rookie because I will. It's the fact that I want to take them in a spot where I'm comfortable taking them, and right now he's going as the 20th running back off the board. He's going as an RB2 behind an offensive line that Adrian Peterson couldn't be good behind. So if you're going to tell me that Dalvin Cook is somehow going to be a RB2 when Adrian Peterson couldn't even thrive in that system, you must know something about that offensive line that I don't. Well, to be fair, they did spend a huge amount of money not re-signing anybody to help them or doing anything constructive. So so <laughs> that's the Vikings for you. Can you get the horn, please? Thank you. There's no love lost between us and the Vikings. We'll just leave it there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Cannot win with them. And <laughs> the purple choke artists. Uh-huh. This is crazy to me. This is one of those things where I, I see Dalvin Cook and I'm just like, are you serious? I agree with you. Like You're prepared to stake your RB2 slot on Dalvin Cook? I saw him play in college. He looks amazing. I am not trying to say anything about the skill set. I'm just, the line play was horrendous in Minnesota last year. Whatever you think of Adrian Peterson, like maybe he's just over the hill. I watched Jarek McKinnon and Matt Aziata try and run behind that line. They're not good, necessarily. 
And McKinnon's okay. But they couldn't do it either. And now, they fix any of the problems in a clean manner. And it feels like a rebuild that's half done. They got Dalvin Cook in there now. And you know what? I'm, this is one area where I'm, I'm prepared to be wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I'm wrong about this and I miss out on the Dalvin Cook top 10 RB train as a rookie, I'm going to sleep great at night. Not going to lose one single ounce of sleep over that. I find it very unlikely, especially when he's going to be splitting carries with Latavius Murray. And look, I'm not even a fan of Latavius Murray. I didn't even like him when he was in Oakland. I completely understood when Oakland abandoned him, basically, and said, hey, bye. He has a degenerative knee issue. He's not that good running out of his own. And I've just never seen him do anything that I thought was amazing or just great. Plus, he's already banged up again, which is the biggest problem he has. He's constantly beat up. Uh-oh. So, I don't like the sound of that. Exactly. That'll be our your greatest ability. Your greatest ability is your availability. And Dalvin Cook may have the job to himself because Latavius Murray's all beat up. But until that happens, there's going to be a pecking order. I don't know that Dalvin Cook's on the top end of it. So for me to say that he's my RB two for a guy I've never seen carry a ball in pads in the NFL behind a terrible line, give me no part of Minnesota for the most part this year. There's a couple depth receivers, Adam Thielen, that are interesting, but. Uh, no, and I don't understand some of these people I keep seeing talking about it. Again, I'm prepared to be wrong about this, but I'm not a fan. The next name of note is uh, Joe Mixon, Big Shock Cincinnati, taking a guy with off-the-field issues. He's the 23rd running back coming off the board right now. And, again, it's RB2 on a rookie. Now, I I think he'll end up taking Jeremy Hill's job. As soon as he was drafted, we were talking to each other and said, yep, there goes Jeremy Hill. He's done. But Gio Bernard is still there. You're still splitting time between two guys. And Jeremy Hill was about an RB2, maybe a flex, in that role anyway. So is Joe Mixon behind a line that has been depleted from free agency really going to be a consistent RB2? And for me, again... The price tag is just too high. So, yeah, and also, too, obviously, I'm sure everybody knows who Joe Mixon is and, you know, the baggage that comes along with him and then also the baggage that comes along with Cincinnati being willing to draft him. Their own affiliate, ABC in Cincinnati, spoiler alert, I used to live in Ohio. I lived there for like eight years. And while I was there, that place has got its issues. And Cincinnati is fun town, but, man, it's funky. Their own ABC affiliate threatened to boycott them for this season and refused to carry their games after this happened. So it's a sensitive topic. He definitely should have done what he did. But we're not here to talk about Joe Mixon's off-the-field baggage. We're here to talk about Joe Mixon, the football player. And Joe Mixon, the football player, is actually getting to a point where I might be borderline interested. I want winners. (laughs) He does look like he has an incredible NFL skill set. Cincinnati has proven that they can produce quality running backs in the past not the last two years but my issue is to what your point was before they lost their two best offensive line yeah i actually think cincinnati should be better this year just because frankly they'll have their players back they'll have tyler eifert for the whole year if they can figure out how to get any kind of line play you hope you can run the ball with one of those guys probably not Gio bernard given his injury from the year prior so one of those two guys should be the bell cow and bernard will do what he always does right he's the third down guy and he plays starter like every second or third series depending on how healthy he is something like that so he's got value but we've seen in the past like jeremy hill his rookie year was rb1 or at least he was high end very high end rb2 so that's the thing though with joe mixon is that he has to take that job from jeremy hill i think he will but that's going to take time 
He's getting to the point where I'm interested because he's going at 60. But again, I don't think he's going to be there at 60. I think somebody's going to pounce on that beforehand. And this also is to the greater point that we've been discussing. You know, around 60, you might get lucky and Danny Woodhead would be there. At least I know Danny Woodhead has, you know, the, basically the job halfway to himself. Got to play with Terrence West. You're also going to be looking at people like Jimmy Grant, Pierre Garçon, Stefan Diggs, you know, people that potentially could be really solid RB, you know, flexes or uh, depending on how you've drafted. If you're going with Steve's strategy, they're probably your third or fourth wide receiver or something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to pass up on the security of that in that strategy to go with the guy you've never seen do anything and we know has discipline problems in what is probably one of the worst possible landing spots for someone with discipline <laughs> problems. Yeah. And, He's the one that I'm the most interested in because it's 60, and I think he has the ceiling of the other guys that we've been mentioning. The ceiling is about the same. It's stud RB1 is the ceiling. The floor for him, though, is suspended for the season because you know he's on thin ice. So at 60, I'd have to think very hard. If there was a run on running backs, for example, though, I could see how you could end up with Joe Mixon at 60. If you were playing with a bunch of people that don't subscribe to the the wide receiver philosophy and they still play a little bit more old school – where running back carries the highest premium, I could see how you could get the Joe Mixon at 60, and I could see how you'd feel like your hand was forced slightly. But if you were going to do that, what would be wrong necessarily with C.J. Anderson at 74, or even Theo Riddick, who's going at 80 if you're playing PPR? Yeah. That's just going to be my whole argument there. couple quick hitters from the draft. We have Alvin Kamara, who's the third-string running back now for the Saints. Dante Foreman, the third-string running back for the Texans. And then Kareem Hunt who's kind of duking it out there with Spencer Ware in Kansas City. Any of those guys interest you at all? I'm just going to do all three real quick. Alvin Kamara, watched him at Tennessee. He's a stud. They took him where they took him in the draft for a reason. It's also not a coincidence that the week after he was picked up by the Saints that they went and tried to trade Traveris Cadet off their team. I think Kamara's already got Cadet's old job. And we haven't even started the season yet. It's more of a note, just for a, a name to note, because Danny Wood has not really a fair comp, but he would have that role. I think maybe Danny bigger, Sproles. more athletic. Yeah, maybe uh, Sproles might be a better comp. Yeah, some, something like that. But he's a little bit bigger than Sproles. So, but it's that it's that kind of thing. So he might have value as like an RB three at some point when the injuries start happening. You might end up with that, but it's more just a note for anybody who's looking at Mark Ingram or Adrian Peterson. Just be aware that there's a very good chance that guy might take a lot of the third down work from either one of those two guys. Dante Foreman, only note, liked him at Texas. He looked real good today. Limited sample. He only had like eight or nine carries, but he busted off a couple big runs, and some of them pretty athletic looking. Kareem Hunt, he's being drafted at 129. That's more real to me because it's way lower than what we've been discussing. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm not ready to kick dirt on Spencer Ware's grave just yet. Kareem Hunt's a good athlete, but I want to, he's going to have to take that job, I think, from Spencer Ware. Wide receivers, we had three taken in the top ten of the draft. There were Mike Williams to the Chargers, Corey Davis to the Titans, who actually went first at number five, and then John Ross to Cincinnati. Now, everybody was excited about Ross because of his raw speed and then joining and being the burner to go alongside of A.J. Green that they've never really had there with him. Uh, and it was interesting to see Mike Williams go to the Chargers because, again, they've had issues at wide receiver and them staying healthy, and he's already hurt. And now Corey Davis, who also came in off of an injury, he looked good, but it was Western Michigan. 
and you know the Mac. As much, I went to Northern Illinois. Neil, you went to Kent State, so it's, yep. We we got Mac love. We love the Mac, but yep, it's the Mac. <laughs> Gotta love those Wednesday the, night, uh, Thursday night football games. Exactly. It's the the talent <laughs> pool is not not as as spectacular. As, I could uh, list off all the great Kent State guys. There's like five. <laughs> it's yeah, so. it's not that good of a level of competition. Of the three of them, do any of them actually interest you from a fantasy perspective this season? For me, the only one, I'll start it off, uh, that has any kind of interest at all is John Ross. And it's simply because he feels like that Deshaun Jackson type where he could give you a big burst or give you absolutely nothing. And I feel like the Bengals are going to be playing from behind a lot this year. So they're going to be airing the ball out. My only concern with him is the injuries, but that's what you can say for all three of these guys. Yeah. Ross is interesting. You're right, just because of the raw speed. But I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I've seen a lot of really, really fast guys come into the league, and they always seem to get hurt. So Because they end up trying to do something really athletic or they get killed going over the middle. So I'm really not interested in John Ross. John Ross, by the way, is being drafted. He's going at 166. So you can have John Ross if you're a fan of him for virtually nothing at the end of the draft. I'm not particularly interested. He might be the next Tyree Kill. That's the ceiling. He might be Andrew Hawkins. That's not really throwing shade at Andrew Hawkins in a nice career. But you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. It's not Tyree Kill. The one who was most interesting to me for this season was actually going to be Corey Davis. But because of what we're going to talk about on the next show, it's actually Mike Williams. And I know he's already hurt, but I saw a lot from Mike Williams because of all the primetime college games. Yeah, he got Mike to play. Williams is a freak of nature. Yep. He is an absolute beast, and it's a shame he's already hurt. I think all the Chargers strength and conditioning people have to be fired at some point, right? This just can't this can't happen every year. Right. But they are saying that he should be ready to go at some point this season. And so I think what you might be looking at is a situation where tentatively you're looking at Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and then Tyrell Williams as you're starting three in what was formerly San Diego. So that would be attractive, especially for someone like Phillip Rivers. But if he's going to be ready to go for this season, you can have him at 156. So he would be a good guy to pick up and stash at the end of your bench. And especially if you have an IR slot, that might be a great spot to get Mike Williams and just stick him on the end of the bench. That's where I like that. Corey Davis is still interesting, but he's going at 109, and that's too high for me. He's already kind of beat up, and then we'll talk about it more next show. But they signed Eric Decker, and they still have Delaney Walker, and they're still going to try and run the ball because they have two of the best running backs, like tandems. So it's just, I don't know where Corey Davis fits into this puzzle yet. Yep. Because I feel like, and I don't, he's gonna, I don't know what that looks like yet for him. So I'm gonna have to wait and see. And for to have him at 109, eh, I'm not really interested. All right, rounding out the rookie wide receivers, we had Curtis Samuel going to Carolina, Ardarius Stewart to the Jets, Cooper Cup to the Rams, and Zay Jones to the Bills. Now the obvious one is Zay Jones because he took that Robert Woods role as the number two guy behind Sammy Watkins that's going to end up being the number one guy in, like, what, week two or three? What's the over-under on that? I don't know. They, they gave him a clean bill of health, and then two days later here he tweaked his leg again. So you never know. It, and then our I, Darius Stewart might not even be week two. Because of the Quincy Inunua injury, uh, he jumps up into a starting role all of a sudden. So Okay, it's not just the Quincy Inunua. It's also that the Jets are terrible. Right, that too. But So that that's the other side. I, I think for them, it's kind of the whole Texans argument from the last couple seasons of, sure, he's the you know one of the top starting wide receivers on a team, but quarterback play. 
how much can you trust the quarterback play there? Well, I trust Josh McCown until week four when he won't be starting. and It'll be Bryce Petty, and then the only startable jet will be Robbie Anderson. Exactly. I wish I was joking. Like, oh, Bilal Powell. Nope, forgot about Bilal Powell. Because mm-hmm. Matt Forte will be firmly on the bench by the time this is all happening. So <laughs> we should mention uh, Curtis Samuel, really interesting for Carolina especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, just part of their whole relook offense, but he's already kind of beat up. So I was going to ask you this was my note back to you was, are you buying Curtis Samuel at all? Is he on your radar? Do you, or do you think he should be on people's radars or is that just a mirage? I never buy into wide receivers from Carolina because I've been burned far too many times on that. People trying to tell me Ted Ginn Jr. was going to be good or telling me that Philly Brown was the next coming, or Devin Funchess was going to be such a sleeper you should hold on to. I just don't buy into any narrative about a rookie wideout from Carolina. The only one that's ever panned out looks like he ate his former self. You can love Calvin Benjamin if you want, but other than that... I don't, that, but he did look like he lost some of that weight today. I will say, you saw him in pads today, it looked like he did drop some of that weight that he was carrying into the beginning of OTAs. Other than Kelvin Benjamin at a reasonable price, or Greg Olson, I'm not interested in a pass catcher from the Carolina Panthers. That's probably fair. No, I get that. Okay. But it is a name to keep on your radar, because he was a stud in college. And then, uh, if you're going to own Sammy Watkins, you need to own Zay Jones. He does have an ADP of 168, so he's going at the end of drafts anyway. If you're drafting Timmy Watkins this year as part of your strategy, because I know some of you are out there, I know you're there listening to this, and you hear me, just make sure that you get Zay Jones, because I'd rather have both of them, just because he's going to be the obvious Watkins handcuff. They just don't really have that many other options. And then the last one is uh, Cooper Cup, and he only really made the list just because Jets' caveat applies here as well. The Rams just aren't good, so they're going to put Cooper Cup in there, and uh, we'll see. He's looked really, really good in shorts and a t-shirt. So we'll see what he looks like, because he's going to be playing their third receiver role, looks like, this year with Robert Woods and Tavon Austin. Then tight ends, rookie tight ends never really pan out. So, I mean, these are guys you kind of want to shelf. and Let's drive that point home, please, make, because make I, keep, I keep seeing some of these people have ADPs. And I love some of these guys that came out this year. It was the deepest tight end draft class in years. There's, normally there's two names. There's like six on this list. It's great. But stop it. Just no. They're going to play, but... What was the last good rookie tight end, Steve? Couldn't tell you. Trick question. There isn't any. <laughs> That's the point. Even Gronk, even Gates, all these guys that are legends at tight end, for whatever reason, because of the blocking changes, and sometimes they're asked to block more as rookies, they don't normally play very much as rookies. It's very hard to be a breakout rookie tight end in the NFL. So some of these guys have ADPs. Our advice, at least my advice directly, oh, yeah. would be I'm not drafting a rookie tight end. No. The most interesting for down the line is O.J. Howard to the Bucks, obviously. Yes. Uh, yes. David Njoku is just a freak of nature, but, I mean, we saw... O.J. Howard has an ADP of 135. Shame on you people. We Stop saw that. what Gary Barnage was able to do in that system, but until they figure out the quarterback and what kind of system they're actually going to run there, I don't buy into any of it. Uh, Evan Ingram with the Giants, finally a decent tight end, it seems like in New York, but they have so many other mouths to feed on that offense. I'm not buying into any tight end, whether he's a rookie or a veteran. ADP of 149. Stop it. Stop it. Adam Shaheen no with the Bears. He's a future Zach Miller, but Zach Miller does still exist. Jake Butt to the Broncos. Again, name for the future, not for right now. And then Jordan Legia to the Jets. As you mentioned, the best tight end they've had in a long time, but they hate throwing it to the tight end. So maybe that they changes sure dependent on the quarterback playing, but 
it's just not part of what they do. Look, if you watched Clemson at all, you saw Jordan Leggett, and the tape speaks for itself. I mean, in a team that's devoid of talent, how do you not at some point just be like, okay, new play. You go there, I'm going to throw it to you. <laughs> that's what we're going to do. Because they were already doing that with Robbie Anderson, just taking huge deep shots down the field. I don't see what the huge adjustment is. Like, so that was it for this this week. Just an introduction of everything we were doing, and then going through everything in the uh, the draft. So, for those of you just interested in the the NFL portion of this, we thank you for for listening. We're going to get to our Golden League stuff now, but uh, uh, just a reminder: head over to importantnonsense.com, check out all the latest content on the website, and for those of you uh, interested, that's uh, head on over to the Golden League update. Alright, so we had the draft lottery this past weekend. Lisa Winnig, number one. How about, I mean, she had the least amount of entries. One ping pong ball. She had a 4% shot of getting pulled out, and she ends up with the number one overall pick. So congratulations to her. What a start to her career in the Golden League. It's pretty impressive. Lisa, don't ever tell me the odds of anything winning. Exactly. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, So she ends up with number one. Mr. Flynn had the best shot to get that number one pick and ends up at pick number two. Uh, I'm not crying too hard for him. And then Sandman at three. Get my tiny violin out. Hang on. The, uh, the enemy of basically everyone in the league continues to be Matt Herrick. The man that just wreaks <sighs> havoc on everything we do. Uh, he timed out on his five minute limit. And instead of taking the 12 pick, he gave the defending champion the number four overall pick in the draft. And it was, it was an angry moment for all of us. Yeah, there was a lot of yelling. At that point, from a lot of people, but loud for the record, for the record, for the record, he's more mad at himself than as he should be. As he should. I mean, be. he's so in the future we've got this worked out. So in the future he's gonna text both of us or send us an email with his preferred order, so this can never happen again. But yeah, there was a lot of wailing and gnashing of teeth here because nobody wanted to see the dynasty train starting up over there get the fourth pick so then brian got pick number five david with six uh then tony gets number seven the defending champ flynn jr has pick eight followed by mccarthy at nine i'm at 10 you're at 11 and eric at 12 the fun part of me and you drafting next to each other constantly just pecking away at each other's you know picks it's not it's not as bad as you think we are going to be picking and pecking away at each other but because of how your draft board and my draft board line up, there are going to be ample opportunities for us. Because in the middle part, in like the eighth and ninth round, or ninth and tenth round, for example, eight, nine, ten for me, I'm moving around. Right. And if I recall, you've got additional picks. Too, yes. mm-hmm. Yeah. So the middle part is where it's going to get interesting because we're not going to be really picking around each other as much. But it's going to be entertaining for the two of us to go back and forth against each other. And then <sighs> I'm still sad about that four pick. That's okay. <laughs> At least, he got sand- at least he got sandwiched at eight. Yeah. Which is just purgatory, as we all know. No one wants to be there. So uh, that's it for the Golden League update for this week. Obviously not a lot of news you know, for the Fantasy Football League in the off season. Just remember to keep looking at those values, watching these preseason games, figure out if there's somebody maybe you want to go after, because uh, you know the trading is on. Anyone can trade right now if they'd like to. Uh, nothing, no chatter that I've heard yet, so... 
we'll see if anything does end up happening. We have uh, some interesting articles coming out about the Golden League in the, the next week or so. So uh, more on that next week. And uh, I, I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be it for this one, Neil. How do you think we did? Episode one. It's in the books. What do you think? I think we did fine. We'll see if anybody is going to make our first ever player for pick transaction in the off season. We'll see. We'll see the if we can. strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. But I've gone to great lengths to compile the best values for anyone that's interested. I went through based on ADP and players that are available of every team. And that's one of the articles that's coming out next week. So I know there's potentially one deal in the works because there's one person that's not happy with one of their keeper situations. So we might get to see one. I'd like to see more than one, to be perfectly honest. But uh, also through the course of doing this, there are several people that have some rock-solid keepers. So not everybody is going to be a buyer. All right, but that's it. So, uh, Neil, thank you, as always, for uh, for joining us here on the on the show and for your time. Oh, yeah. Happy to do it. Happy to do it. Keep checking importantnonsense.com. Once again, follow me on Twitter at Nonsense Steve. You can follow Neil at Nonsense Neil. And uh, until next week, just keep up the nonsense. Music for the Important Nonsense podcast was provided by Lee Rosebeer and Lane Genie. Thank you for listening. Be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.